Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to this edition of the Dance Centre podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Kirsten Wickland. Kirsten Wickland is a Canadian independent creator currently based in Antwerp, Belgium, where she dances as a demi-soloist at Opera Ballet Vlanderen. I hope I'm saying that right. But Kirsten is with me, so she can uh, she can alter that. <laughs> Vancouver knows her and loves her as a dancer with Ballet BC, um, where she was with the company for eight years, 2014 to 2021. But we will be talking about that, finding out a little bit more about her relationship with Ballet BC as we go through this interview. And I'm talking to Kirsten today because she's also one of the artists in residence at the Dance Centre this season uh, and she did show a, a new work in April with four dancers so I look forward to talking with Kirsten about that. Um, there's lots of for us to talk about uh, in her training, her experiences of performing and creating and also as a yoga teacher. So without further ado I will introduce Kirsten Wickland and ask Kirsten to say hello. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Kirsten, for doing this. And I'd like to start by um, asking you where you are right now. Are you in Belgium? Yes. And can you talk a little bit about what your experience is living in, in Europe or in Belgium, particularly Antwerp, particularly? Yeah, absolutely. I am in Belgium, Antwerp. It's, it's really a, a beautiful place. It's a very rich city filled with many artists, many art forms. It's been an absolute journey to kind of settle somewhere new. I think that it's been a, a beautiful and challenging experience, which is why I sought it out. I think that there's something, there's some very unique things that are learned through settling in a new place and entering a new community. And I think that as challenging and, you know, shocking as that sometimes is for the system, it's, uh, I, I welcome it. And it's, yeah, it's been both filled with challenge, but also filled with a lot of, well, a lot of perspective for me from, you know, I, I have traveled a lot, but I've also been quite planted in Vancouver for some time. And so relocating into this new place in the world has, yeah, it's offered me a lot and has opened up uh, my eyes to new things and new people. And That's great. So I'm really interested in the, the timeliness of this and the, the fact that you say you were seek, you sought out this new opportunity. So I'm assuming you, did you answer a call for an audition? And if you did, or if, if that was, however that happened, it's all during the COVID pandemic, really, or does it go further back than that for you? Right. You know, I was toying with the idea of stepping into a new environment for some time, not because I was unhappy in the company environment at Bally BC, quite the opposite. I loved it. And I still adore it to this day. Like I just have the most gratitude for that space. I was feeling as an artist, like I 
was craving to kind of just expand my bubble a little bit, like to put myself out of my comfort zone. It's so easy to become comfortable in your surroundings and your, you know how everything works. And while there is a, a beauty to that, I I did I was seeking out a new environment perhaps to enter in an artistic way. And it was during COVID, I mean that I mean, you know, we were kind of on a break, but my my intention was to re- return with the company, which I did. And we kind of got, made it through that strange half-half year where we were kind of trying to get back into theaters. And, you know, I was just looking at what the last few years had been like and this point in my life where I felt like if I didn't make a little bit of a big leap now, I maybe wouldn't ever do it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this moment where I was feeling like I needed to jump into the deep end somewhere mm-hmm. and just put myself out there in ways that were really actually very scary because it would have been much easier um, and comfortable to stay in that environment that I knew very well and also deeply cared about. It was quite it was quite a challenge for me to actually say, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity and go pursue something new, um, the unknown, right? So, um, and not to mention, I just, I really value the relationships that I have there at Ballet BC and also the Vancouver community, which is why I'm still doing my best to keep ties there because it it means a lot to me, as you know. So yeah, I did. Um, I actually, I put myself out for, I, I submitted to, I, I submitted in an online way to the company here. It was a company I'd always had my eye on a little bit. What they were doing, you know, they have a huge classical history and that's something that I really value. At the same time, they were, they are starting to do more broad range of works, which interested me. And I also knew that there was bit of a shift in direction happening as well, which was going to lead them in an even more contemporary direction. So it felt like a good moment to enter a place with this rich classical history and still a lot of remnants of that, but a place that is pursuing new work and pursuing creation and kind of holding these two things in its hands like this, they, they do historic works for certain, you know, I knew that they were bringing Pina Bausch Mm -hmm. and things like this that have this rich dance history. And that's something that I am deeply interested in. And at the same time, I'm deeply interested in the creation of new work and new ways of working. And so it felt like this environment where I could connect to those things and at the same time, throw myself into a new bubble that I have, you know, really no idea about the inner workings of it. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about being a demi-soloist and what that means, because that to me speaks to this idea of a traditional kind of, they have a tradition at the company to tied to that kind of idea of more classical traditional works. And, but then also there is this sense that the scale of the works is theatrical, opera, ballet, you know, like um, Belgium, like all of this. But as you say, it also seems very much like the the companies, the artists they brought in, the choreographers. It, it feels to me that that you're involved in a kind of repertory uh, company, kind of. But then you're saying that there's also some creation aspect coming in, and I was 
I'm really interested in that. So the demi-soloist, what does that mean? What do you... Yeah, you know, in in a sense, the company still is is in this place where they have this this structure set up that is quite outdated, in my opinion. And they do have this sort of hierarchy system. At the same time, in reality and in practicality, it's not so present here. So I knew that coming in, there was like, it's kind of how I was saying, there's this remnants of that classical history. This is one of those things. It's still lingering, this hierarchy system um, where we're brought in at a certain, you know, pay scale according to perhaps experience or how well, you know, the company feels like they might use us or or it's something even more generic now because this, the whole system is starting to be abolished anyways. So I take it a little bit more like a, it's kind of entering a system that's already disappearing, I think, which I find to be a very positive side of of a structure that is starting to shift and work in new ways. You know, this type of hierarchy system doesn't necessarily serve the types of work that we're doing in the company in reality. So you have this group of people and stagers come in and yes, it is a rep company. So we're doing a lot of existing works. Well, they might see someone who's just the essence of a certain role for them. And if they're not allowed the freedom to cast that person, maybe they're a new member or maybe they're very young or maybe they're just not, uh, you know, have never been promoted to a certain rank. I think that there is that freedom and flexibility now from direction here where people can cast who they want. It gets kind of a fair game situation. Like for example, I arrived and I immediately was thrown into things. And I think that typically, you know, in a much more rigid classical structure, that would not necessarily be the case unless I were quite a, quite a famous principal dancer somewhere yeah. being brought in. So there is this kind of flow that's happening where, yes, there's a rank system. In reality, it's not so much at play. And I think that's really important. You know, I come from, in, at Ballet BC, there are no ranks. There, It's a group of people and everyone is seen really as an individual. And that is definitely the working environment that I feel like I've entered here in terms of what is being set up by direction. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a really positive step forward for this art form especially when it's when it comes to talking about the classical yeah. you know field and these structures that have always been in place like there are some significant problems with that yeah. and i think that this is kind of one way that we're starting to allow that to disassemble perhaps in an organic way yeah and i think what i what i really appreciate about well one you saying that you're a demi soloist is kind of it's really helpful for like to me that to understand your relationship to that company and also feels like you are able to carry your experience of Ballet BC into this new company. Because what I, I mean, as you know, I'm a a choreographer, but in the contemporary dance world and not at all in that kind of ballet system um, ever really for me. And so what I get from it is that this person knows how 
to be a soloist and be, if you like, a team player, but is not, not mm-hmm. necessarily somebody who's going to be in the corps de ballet, is not going to be in the corps. And, and so the, the experience that you bring to a company is understands how to devise, how to improvise, how to interpret as an individual and as a group member. And I've talked to some dancers through Ballet BC who, like, there is something about, it's almost like you're, there are times, I'm sure, uh, and I love being in these environments, when everybody in a company is essentially a soloist. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that one of the most beautiful skills that I left that environment with was the ability to be like as much of a team player as I can be a standalone performer. Like I really feel like those two skills were always asked of me. It was never that I would only, you know, only do like a, you know, a feature part and that that was kind of my duty. And it was not only that I would have to be able to be part of the group. Like I was always asked to explore both with, you know, complete commitment. And it's something that I value is when I look at a dancer is not, not how well they can execute, you know, the part where they are the feature, like how well can they carry that while they can also become, you know, part of this larger idea, like one of a, of a bunch (laughs) and can they still carry the, you know, have the same sense of, of importance in that, like they are both so important. And I think that that's something I really try and bring to, to the room when I enter it is like, absolutely. I can stand on my own and hopefully hold the audience's attention and, and be that powerful. And I can also be part of a, a large mass and support that in the ways that the work requires. Yeah. So it's it's a huge value of mine. I yeah, think. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a physical understanding, but it is that thing around like um the kind of em- embodied understanding being both the mind body connection. Not that I believe that that's even a split, but but that there is something about bringing understanding how to bring the self an awareness of self and awareness of the ideas and the themes and all of those things and your own physical understanding into alignment that's constantly changing. <laughs> you know, yes. there's something really beautiful about that kind of adaptivity and kind of not being afraid to interpret in the moment with something that even might be very, very set. Um, so I think that's, yes. I, th- I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, I feel that from you as a performer and I, and I, I wonder if that's something it feels like in your own work as an independent creator, which I'd like to kind of maybe just shift to for a second uh, or longer than that, but segue, (laughs) take a second to segue, let's say it that way, into you as an independent creator, but also you as a choreographer. So Mm -hmm. I won't say too much more than that. I am very interested in that because I I think there's a, there is an affinity with this idea of being in that creative space that's moved from interpreting into creation and then becomes a very different thing. So could you talk about you as an independent creator? Yeah, I've always dabbled in creating, like even since a very young age, like before I was even, you know, sure what I wanted to do in terms of like where my career would go. I was always kind of dabbling in creating things, whether it was small dances or, you know, I would even you know, competition dance solos or, you know, dabbling in these ways of creating dance or, or performance. And 
my time with Ballet BC was was also part of that because I was asked a lot as an interpreter to also be a very active force in the actual creation process. So, you know, even just as simple as generating a lot of material, that's something that was a very regular practice in the environment there because it was a it's a creation-based company. So, more of our activities than not at a point were about creating. I always have had a very distinct interest in that. And so it's something now that I also feel like as an independent artist, I'm interested in creating certain things, but I have a larger range of interest as well because I am still interested in creating, like for example, on rap companies and create walking into an environment that is in its essence has its own structure and its own you know, value system, um, entering that space and being able to propose something and have an exchange between what that environment already is and what I might ask of it. I'm interested in that. So that exists in terms of me, you know, creating on on other companies, where they're, whether they're very classical or very not. I'm interested in both. Yeah. And then me as a, you know, an independent person, I think that I'm I'm really just starting to find out what my interests are in terms of that because it feels like a more open space, um, a space where really anything can can go. Like I, there's nothing I have to deliver in es- in essence when I'm walking into a room with either myself or myself plus a group of people who I'm interested in working with specifically for the artists that they are, not because they're part of something specific. So it feels like more of a playground environment. And for example, my, you know, that's kind of how I, I view my artist in residence position at the dance center is, is a space actually for me to, really dive into that kind of playground. So working with the the specific people I want to work with and how I build work in a like environment that has no stipulations. Like there's no like, oh, we'd like you to make a piece like for point shoes and and use all the dancers. <laughs> or can you make a piece um, you know, for for two men? Or like this sort of thing, which is sometimes the case. I mean sometimes not. But it's just really this more freeform space where I'm like, okay, what is my process when there are no stipulations? Where are my starting points? What kind of research do I do? And I find that my practice is actually way larger than I thought. You know, I love including like writing and drawing, although I'm terrible at it, but <laughs> like these, these and and making music mm-hmm. i've made music i'm also terrible at it <laughs> but like just this idea that like forming kind of everything together with like another genre is really interesting to me and something that i think will be eventually a way bigger part of my practice of course it often comes down to resources <laughs> it's like so some of these things came about because i also am like i can do certain things myself if i don't have the resources to to pay artists, then I'm like, okay, I'll dabble with like making a little musical track for this idea I have, or, you know, I'm going to get into the writing of this part. And so 
in that way, you know, the challenge of like a lack of resources is actually that it's asked me to to dabble in more genres. Yeah. Um, but what it also tells me is that those are really interests of mine. So, you know, bringing writing into the mix, bringing music making, bringing like just this idea of collaboration is really important to me. And I'm interested in having really play with these other forms, I guess, that can create a lot more content for uh, the work that I make. And then, you know, on the flip side, I love just looking at at the physicality of, of dance and the beauty of a you know, a dancer who has a lot of facility and knowledge and asking them to also step outside of their box. So I think as a creator, my interests are very, very broad. I actually, I really wish that they would narrow. (laughs) Like I always have this desire, like if my interests would narrow, I could kind of like dive more deeply into something, but I'm also just, maybe this is just the place that I'm at. You know, my interests are very broad and while they are, I'm trying to explore all of them without any judgment and just to, you know, let myself play between these worlds. And, you know, I figure that one day I'll start, you know, following one, one direction, maybe more closely. Yeah. I like to think of it as, as this kind of, you're also almost, you're, you're deciding the stakes and you're making claim to your art making in a different way than what I sometimes call service choreography, which sounds a bit cynical, but I don't mean it that way. Um, like, so when people are like, if you take a contract and you you already have the dancers and you already know what the theme and all those things are, you, that gives you your limitation. And then your art making comes out of how you interpret that limitation or it will play with yeah. the other way. And the way you're talking about is kind of, I want to say like, welcome to my world. Cause that's been my world for 30 years is, yeah. is that, and problematic at the same time in just the way you're saying, because, but you have to start to, you have to start to make your own stakes. You, the work starts to tell you what they are and, and your claim as an artist becomes more and more refined and you discern that as you go along the process, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be in the dance form for you. It might come from the form of the song that you've written or from the painting that you've done, the compositional aspects of the bad drawings, which I have books of, you yeah. know, like <laughs> so really bad drawings that I can't even tell what they are, but, and they're not supposed to be abstract. They're supposed to be something, but <laughs> of the same thing each time I look, but they never are. So, so in that, I think what I'm finding now, what I'm trusting, like you're saying, this idea that form from all of those different places is helping inform my understanding of form as a choreographer, but also expanding my understanding of form as a choreographer. So I'm really enjoying that journey. I don't know where it's going to lead and I don't know what it will become and it might not even become anything to do with dance. So I, I think that's really exciting. And, and and the piece that you was, the showing that you did in April, I, I well, you described it. I don't know if it's still this, but I really enjoyed the way you described that it was about survival mode states a body system and survival mode states but it also seemed to be very much about nature or kind of nature nurture or that kind of idea of, of and also a little bit of support for each other and each other's bodies or like supporting each other through bodies like is that still something you are exploring yes absolutely all of those ideas mm. are part of what i'm exploring i'm looking at like like kind of like our instinctual landscape and like, what is that? And 
What are the things inside of us that drive us to do things? What are the parts of us that are in our control? What are the parts of us that, you know, aren't like, I think that this idea that our body actually has this incredible intelligence to kind of put us into a mode just to, to like save us that idea of nervous system state that just kicks in or like, how does the body know to, to run away from danger? How does it know to, you know, to, to sweat, to cool us or like just these, these incredible, incredible, incredible intelligence of our bodies. And I think also how we instinctively relate to one another. There's a lot of kind of like mystery in that. Of course, there's a lot of science. (laughs) And while I am researching that, for me, I love thinking about these things through not only like the the scientific research fact standpoint, Mm -hmm. but also what about it in an imaginative light or like in a more impossible world? Like what are these ideas when we take it into like our dreams where like, things that we, that actually aren't possible are like really regular in our dreams. Like somehow we're doing all, we're, you know, doing impossible things or impossible things take place. But inside of that landscape, it all really is part of it. Uh And so I'm interested in, yeah, the science of things and our instinctual nature, but also kind of the kind of coloring outside of the lines of that. Like I'm a very like feeling based person. So how I'm feeling or what I'm imagining, like it can kind of go like to some other realm, which I find very fun if I allow myself to follow it. And I'm looking to see if by going so far outside of the lines with this play of yes, known ideas and how they can trickle into some kind of wild world. And maybe that actually starts to say something a little bit more real or something that's relatable or something that's somehow very human, even though it's quite abstract and maybe even outlandish. Um, I'm interested in that. And I don't know what that means exactly, but that's why I think that maybe, you know, for me, a an idea like this, I could spend probably the rest of my life just, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, exploring in some way. And I n- n- won't necessarily take that route as a creator because my interests tend to to shift uh, quite fluidly. But just to say that it's like kind of enough content for me to like just keep exploring. And yeah, I, I really like the idea of being open to what unfolds just from being curious about an idea. And I don't often have a sense of what I'm making, what it should be like. I don't have that sense. I have a sense of how I feel about the ideas, Mm -hmm. but not a sense of like what the whole thing really should, should be like. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's how I feel. But also I I just want to say that this kind of, it's the somatic work, the whole, there are so many practices in contemporary dance that are about that very thing. Their practice is only dealing with imagination and this idea of landscape and, and other world and dreams and all of these things, because they, because imagination is so rich and dreams are so rich. And I, for a long time, I didn't think I was kind of a person who necessarily had an artistic vision. I didn't think I was that kind of person. But I think every artist is. I think that where where that vision 
when that vision materializes is the question, whether you start with the vision or whether you allow the vision to unfold, which is what, which is at the stage you are at right now. And I'm, I think that's really beautiful because it connects for me to your ability from just from your bio, which by the way, uh, listeners, um, is, this is only, I'm sure a quarter of her story and it, it could take up just the bio. If I was to read out her bio, <laughs> would take up a whole podcast. <laughs> um, we don't. No, so we're that. not going to do that. <laughs> but what I will say, and what I want to draw on, is some of the different places you've put yourself, some of the different contexts you put yourself in, some of the different mm-hmm. bubbles, and also come back to this idea where you said you are really um, kind of excited by or inspired by going into an environment that. Uh, and meeting their structure, meeting their already um, embedded structure or their hierarchy or whatever that system is. Um, and it's all leading to, um, so you think you can dance for me? Um, <laughs> partly because going from Ballet yes. BC to uh, Opera Ballet Vlander and, and then all of the things you've done in between um, and all of your training, which is already wide and all of the competition environments that you've been in that you've talked about, so you think again da, 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 has got to <laughs> yes. be one of those and I don't want to avoid talking about it quite but no. what I would like to say about it is how beautifully I think that shows how you fit into these structures that already exist and um, start to kind of converse with them or dialogue with them so are you willing to talk about your experience oh a little absolutely bit on that yeah front? Um, just to kind of shift us just when you thought you knew just, Just when I you thought. thought you knew what Kristen's <laughs> journey was and you can envision a future for her. We're going to throw this one in and just kind of, yeah. That's yeah. It. So when was this? 2000, was it 2008, 2010? Was it? I, do you remember? I feel like eight would be closer, mm-hmm. but I would have to do some, some digging in my memory, which is awful um, to know about that. Yeah. It must've been maybe, maybe 2009, 10. Yeah. I mean, it's something, I mean, some people might know it about me. Some people might not. Yeah. I think that one of my, like, additionally, one of my values is like, ha- like not having a, maybe like not having a value system in terms of like genre of <laughs> dance. Do you know what I mean? Like, or, or not having yeah, a it's not fixed. Yeah, yeah, it's not fixed. So, like, I did grow up always going to. I mean, I started dancing very late, and I quite quickly like grabbed onto ballet and wanted to like go down that hole like completely but at the same time I always did um you know a variety of different dance styles and so I think that I always felt like it was important to explore everything because I didn't want to feel like one form of movement was like less than or like was viewed in a certain way and I think that in the concert world the commercial dance world can be viewed in a certain light and vice versa. And so for me, uh, doing that show was, first of all, a way for me to explore like what else, you know, I was in a very classical ballet environment and I didn't know if that was going to really be right for me long term. But I didn't know yet. I didn't know what else. I didn't know necessarily that I would be so interested in like the concert dance world in the way that I am now. Like I didn't recognize the range of work that was happening. I really came out of school with like this sense of like competition dance, but oh, that's like to a point and not, I didn't see myself in a 
a career in the commercial world. But the ballet world, for me, I was like, you know, after spending, um, you know, a year, about a year with a classical company, I, I knew 100% that was not going to feed me enough, mm-hmm. enough artistic food, mm-hmm. I think. While it was kind of a, what do you say, like, it was almost like it was like a goal I wanted to attain, I think. And my love for classical ballet exists to this day. I I rarely like to take a day away from ballet. So it's not about the form. It's about the, you know, the company structure and even just the the way that the works are, I, you know, I want to dance around more, you know, I don't want to stand in a line really nicely. Like I want to um, express more of myself and the the form, like in the way that I take it now in class, I can be as expressive as I want because there's no, you know, there are no parameters for me. It's just, mm-hmm. I decide how I take mm-hmm. it. Whereas in a, in a proper classical ballet, there, there is a lot to adhere to and you can't break outside of that um, to, to the point you might want. So I knew that wasn't also it for me. So I was in a place where I didn't know where to go. And so you think you can dance felt like a place where I could like dabble in all of these different things. Some of them I'm going to be, I could maybe take on or in my wheelhouse, some of them not at all. And I also liked the discomfort of that. So, you know, cue a little ways down the road and I'm, I'm in tears on national television, like, (laughs) you know, with all these embarrassing moments, like, Oh, you know, Kirsten had trouble with her nineties hip hop routine. Like, let's see how she's doing now. It's like, yeah, a hundred percent. But it was like that thing of just letting myself like experience something and letting myself be bad at it and letting myself, you know, release judgment of, of whatever and just experiencing it. And it obviously I wasn't interested in continuing down like a commercial pathway, but it all, it gave, it gave me a lot. And well, to this day, I still do have the desire to continue down like a, like a more like ballroom. That's like more of like a fantasy dream, like to go like be like a proper ballroom dancer, like still have that dream. But I feel like it's just not, in the cards this lifetime. Like, I feel like there's already too many <laughs> things I'm like, really trying to do. I'm like, that will have to wait for my next <laughs> lifetime. Like when I come back, I'll come, I'll do the ballroom thing. Cause I really have a passion for that. I think it's so mm-hmm. incredible. So all to say that it was a way for me to, to dabble, to, I think, take myself a little bit less seriously, to take a break, take a breather, like, you know, the training of the classical world is very, very taut. Yeah. It's like you are like just holding yourself together in this narrow tube. Yeah. That's how I felt. And I wanted to just like exhale and like breathe and like expand like physically. I just wanted to like let my body like expand. <laughs> in a way that I didn't feel was possible inside of the, really the classical world. Mm -hmm. And it's not meant to be an an insult to that field. It's just for me as a person, it's like I craved more expression. I craved to like, I craved to, to be wild and on stage to be wild. Why not? And so there's, you, you know, you'll definitely see that in my work, there is a, I think that there's a, there is a strong sense of coming into and like funneling into a a narrow place, like a a really clear idea. 
but I there also is a sense of of wild that I try to look mm. for or that I instinctively find inside of my work. I love there to be both of these things, these very like narrow and strictly executed ideas, you know, m- mixed with things that can't be measured and yeah, are just more, more wild and outside of the lines. Cause I think that's quite me as a person, you know, I'm very, I am very structured. I like order. I like a schedule. I'm like <laughs> this type of person, but at the same time, like my passion always screws that up. You know, my passion messes things up and I will scream too, too loud when I see someone or laugh too loud. And I'm always like, you know, I'm a bit like a bowl in a china shop. So it's like kind of that mixture, I think of like order and chaos is a little I bit that. Um, how I am anyways. I, I can't help. I've just got, I mean, I, I'm, I'm able to see Kirsten right now and we're actually on video, even though we're just recording the audio, yeah. but yeah. I can't help, but just have your outline and then just imagine all these colors coming out from around your body yeah. into the space around you. And you keep saying that, you know, coloring outside of the lines, but I just, you know, that order and chaos combination is really important because you can't color outside the lines if you don't know where the lines are. And that's, and it. that's it. So that just says, exactly. wow, I, that's, that's a great way to put well, it. I really like yeah. that. It's yeah. I mean, I, I, that's something I, I, it's not something I like know. It's just something I feel, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah that kind of idea. Yeah. And that's connected, right? That that feeling is connected to a context. It's specific. You're feeling something as a response to something specific. You know, like the the response is specific and the context is specific for that response. And that's what you're saying. And in all these environments, that's what you're saying. I do want to say kudos to you for putting yourself in a situation where you say, I just want to be free, where all of these people are judging you <laughs> and all of these people are criticizing your every move. And you're in a like oh, absolutely. highest profile dance competition, I think we have in the world because it's on TV, you know, like highest profile in terms of like how many people see it, like popularity wise. Yeah, like the average Joe is just sitting on their yeah. couch, like no, like never seen a dance show in their life, but they know. Yeah, they know. They're like, no, she didn't do this well, or no. she did. Like it's 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 wild. Yeah. But you know what? It is an experience, and for me, I think that there's these experiences shape us. Whether they're something that we like, we we don't know. What do we really know yeah. about, oh, that ex- oh, I don't want that experience or this or that. It's like, for me, if something presents itself, I'm typically just like a yes person because I think that there's a lot of value in trying to like scrape together what you can out of an experience. Like we're not going to all go through the most, you know, harmonious creation processes, even when we're in an environment that we've chosen um, or an environment that we really have like clearly said, oh, this is like the right place for me. There's always going to be challenge. And I think that the best service we can do to ourselves and to the work and the room around us is to be like seeing like what there is there to like, is there something to grow out of this? Is there something to notice, even if it's just that, mm-hmm. right? And that and that takes presence. That's awareness. That's your awareness of self in those situations, awareness of the situation and uh, and a deep engagement in what's happening. I think that and I, I think that's I think, unfortunately, that's more rare than um, we would like it to be. But I think, yeah, I think you're right, which is, you know, which is another conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. it's true. Yeah. And I think that 
yeah, we're lucky if we come across a handful of people that connect to that in the same way that that we do, or, you know, for everyone, it's those people that they find that dive into those places with them are always going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, it, yeah, it's beautiful when, when that is, is present. Yeah, just so powerful and just, uh, yeah, all consuming kind of this. So you're an adjudicator, both in Canada and in Europe. I've done a little bit of that too, but what, what would be your takeaways? Like in general, as a, as an adjudicator, what would you say, I'm not necessarily forcing you to fix your value system in that context, because I know it's always so different. But what would you say as an adjudicator you offer uh, that you share maybe with the younger generations that you think is um, something from your experience and your insight? How, what would you say in general, you know, you give give to them or ask them to consider or, yeah. I think that actually it's something similar to what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about, which is like, being present like with themselves and with what they're doing like for me you know their teachers are already going to share with them to to do certain physical things you know these technical things that you know maybe improve the physicality of their dance but for me the different thing that I can offer them is asking them questions like asking them to like asking them about how they're engaging with what they're doing. Like, why are they moving in that way? Like, what is the, an intention behind a movement? Because I feel like at the end of the day, movements are there to be, be kind of like the vehicle to share like an intention, you know, is the intention to move or is the intention to, to not move, but somehow there is movement or, you know, the, I mean, the list goes forever, mm-hmm. but so normally my approach to adjudicating is to ask some questions that might be fairly abstract <laughs> to the receiver. Yeah. But I think that that's the only, that, that's the main difference that I can offer. Um, you know, you, you trust that their teachers are doing the work with them on, you know, their, their basic alignment and all of these things, which maybe I'll pipe in on every now and then, <laughs> you know, some basic like alignment if I see a scary thing going on. But um, I think overall, it's like that, like, like, why are you doing what you're doing? Where, like, who are you looking at? Or what are you looking at? What, like, what, what do you see when you, when you turn around to face upstage and you, and you walk backwards and then you do this huge thing, you know, why and how and, and when, like, where are you in time? Like I ask them, I think, to engage with their imagination, even if it's very simple, it, maybe it's not flowery, maybe it's very, basic but that dialogue with oneself as a dancer like even just as simple as I'm only walking backwards right now and that's it and there is no there's there's no poetry to it It, but the dialogue itself is what's important because that way we can interpret all ideas because we're able to just like hold the idea, engage with it, and something comes out physically that is different than if we weren't having that inner dialogue. So I don't know, for me as a performer, that's something that I work with a lot because I think that it makes the difference between just going through the material and actually conversing with it. And so also as a creator, I often am interested in that. And then of course, as an adjudicator, then I can maybe ask them too. oh, what about this? Or what about that? Maybe just to like open their minds like a little bit to something else. That's always my goal. It's so great. Cause what I, 
because in a competition environment, even though the pieces are not at all like rep companies, you know, like 45 minute hour long full length pieces, there's still two minutes or one minute sometimes if they're really young or under, you know, like there's still the sense of the um, they're performing. It's a performance. It's yeah. a communicative act to perform. Dancing doesn't yeah. have to be dancing itself doesn't have to communicate to anyone else just the person doing it in a way in an outer you know kind of connection in one body it doesn't have that but performance does and so I think right I think what's really for me that's how I that's a, an articulation I found in my research that I is really important for me so not all dancers automatically understand how to perform or yeah. even understand who they are as performers yet and and not all dance is necessarily performative and I think that's I think that's just a really interesting wonderful way of us being able to expand our worlds and understand and understand the expansion that dance is going through in general in all of those different ways so that like you say but I love the idea that you can interpret any idea I think is just wonderful like that is just so exciting to me and it's just a beautiful succinct way of sharing in like how a dancer values the world ideas you know those kinds of things being in the world as a dancer those oh it gives me chills I love it can we talk about yoga for a second sure love it how did you get there what's going on with your yoga practice Um, yeah well I had um I've struggled with injury a lot along the way of my career. And so at one point I was trying to let something quite, quite long-term resolve in my feet. I had like many, many stress fractures from a show that I was doing that was touring and I needed to just take some time to like really leave them be. And it was a good time for me to, I was interested in, you know, what forms of cross training can I do right now um, that facilitate maybe more balance in my life, in my body, in my mental state. So for me, I I looked towards yoga to see what it could offer me. I didn't know at the time. And I wanted to just dive into going through a, a teacher training because I felt that it would, first of all, teach me about it, about the practice itself, allow me to find my own practice and see kind of what came out of that. It was, it was a, an experiment essentially. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that I did it when I did it, because I think that the time and practice that it takes to become a, a, a teacher who, who offers something that's, that's unique to them, it, it takes a long time. It takes practice. And so when I did it, it helped me a lot in my own physical body. It helped me in trying to meet up with a bit more balance in my life. And therefore I was able to continue teaching, you know, up until this point. And along the way, I feel like I've, you know, gained the the teaching practice and the teaching experience that it, that only time can, can give. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I did it quite, when I was quite young, I did it. And I think that that was one of the best uh, investments that I made actually, because it's something that I use both for myself. It's something that I can offer to other people. Um, it connects me with a new community, but it's still movement related. There are so many avenues of it that I would love to dig deeper into, but again, like that might need to wait for like another lifetime. Like I'm really interested in like the breath work of it and, 
Yeah, just things that I don't necessarily like as a full-time dancer in a company structure and a creator on the side. These are avenues that I don't necessarily get a chance to dive into like with all of me, which in a sense is a shame, but at the same time I know that keeping a little bit of it going and learning what I can when I can is still hugely valuable instead of kind of be like, "Oh, I can't only do that, so I'm just going to not engage with it." Like it's something that I keep part of my practice. I try and teach when I get the chance. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's just value to keeping it like in the mix of things, even though of course I'm not solely a yoga teacher. It's something that I do more on the outside of mm-hmm. of my main, mm-hmm. you know, my main dancing. <laughs> As just to be honest, like sometimes I feel like I don't even have time to just be a regular human no. just with the like dancing schedule. So yeah, just all to say that it is it is a beautiful kind of side practice that I have that I I wish I could dedicate more time to, but uh, I just give myself a little bit of yeah. Uh, you have to just <laughs> almost like an ocean, right? Where you're riding this dance wave right now, and that's the highest yes. peak, and that's what you're on, and that's what you're surfing, and there are all these other yeah. potential waves coming up along those. But you'll just you might be you totally. might drift over there at some other point in ten yeah. years time. It's all available to you. It's all available to you. Well, yeah. And COVID is the perfect example because during COVID, yoga was the most accessible movement practice. When I was trapped in a tiny apartment, it was the most accessible way of, of being in movement. And it was also something I could offer virtually. So suddenly I was like really a lot more into that that uh, way of working. So COVID was very beautiful yeah, for I remember, that. I was yeah. going to mention that, that you offered your classes during COVID for people. Learning. I did. And, and, you know, people still like practicing in that form. So I'm trying to offer it every now and then. It's a bit tricky with, with the, the time difference here. because yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of my community is in Vancouver. But, yeah. you know, anyways, the, the virtual practice is it's actually a lot more cool than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm, great. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it ends up being great. And there's people that I'm able to connect with and, and help and support and in ways that I didn't think maybe would be so, so great, yeah. but it has been. Really great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Cause I think if you have your health and you know how to adapt to make, keep your health and well being as, as, as well as you can, you know, as healthy as kind of those in those environments, then, uh, you know, you have access for all those ways. So let's just kind of bring this to a bit of a close. It's been wonderful talking with you, but also hearing you and following you as you talk, like just, yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for all you've just shared with us and all you've done and all you're doing. (laughs) Um, What is your schedule right now? And are you performing soon? And uh, are you, how long are you in Antwerp? Yes, um, we're performing. We're performing quite soon. Right now, I'm actually working with Jan Martins, who is a Belgian creator, and it's been wonderful and extremely challenging um, in brand new ways for me, which is really exciting. You know, I came here to be challenged, and it's doing that mm-hmm. for me. So we're we're creating. Um, it's a full length work. It is premiering at Festival d'Avignon in the end of July, but we go to Avignon next week to do kind of like a state, like a technical residency there. So we'll get it on its feet and then we'll come back to Antwerp, do a little bit of probably reworking. He likes to really like keep going. And then we'll go do the premiere in July. Very exciting. I have not been to the festival yet, but it's, you know, it's, it's quite an impressive outdoor, like amphitheater style, like massive 
I'll report back to you once I see it in real life. Please do. You know, it's supposedly quite overwhelming. So I'm very excited. And then, so we finish the season there. Um, I'm going to head back to Vancouver for August and I get to continue with my creation process there, which is really important to me, just keeping roots with Vancouver and with the community there, which is, by the way, just such a unique and precious community. Like um, stepping outside, it's not that I didn't know that before. I always say to people, it's not, I didn't know how great it was, but you step away from it and you you, oh, you just re it's like you, I have a refreshed sense of how incredible the community is there. I, I value it. And it's just something that I never want to lose or not be part of. So, so, yeah. so I come back and I'll work with some dancers there. We're going to try to make it through the creation of this new work that I'm doing and uh, is still looking for a bit of support, actually. So maybe we can also share in your in your sidelines with the podcast that there's ways of pe- for people to support the project yeah. as it starts to move towards some fruition in in twenty. And will you show us it? Will there be showing in August then as well, potentially? Yes, in August. So I'll try to organize something. We're doing a a week in studio, a week in the Ferris, and then yeah, let's see about sharing some in progress stuff. Don't want to share too much at that stage of the game because it's going to be getting fairly formed yeah. and it we're working towards presentation in, in 2023. So that's also um, quite soon. It's going quite fast, isn't it? The time. It's going quite fast. Um, and I do plan to, I've returned to another season here at okay. OBV for another season. We have some nice stuff on the roster, um, which I can't no, share, no, no. unfortunately. Uh, um, it's, all a, it's all a surprise, but it will be a nice, a full season. And my plans beyond that are kind of to be determined. Uh-huh. That's so, so we'll... amazing. Um, so thank you so much. Will this information all be on your website? And would you like to just tell us your website? Absolutely. Yep. You can go to kirstenwickland.com and I'll make sure that that's updated because I do everything myself. <laughs> um, so no, it's a good reminder for me to like update things and da da da. So yes, in fa- indeed. And you can always check out more of what I'm doing on my Instagram page, which is just at Kirsten Wickland. And I have like a link tree and there's lots of, lots of links to things and you can kind of dabble around. And so great. And we'll add those to the podcast at the bottom, but obviously the dance center (laughs) will also be following Kirsten. So stay in touch with us on the, at the dancecenter.ca and we'll make sure to keep you informed. Thank you again, Kirsten. This was absolutely wonderful. Toy, 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 myth for all of it. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you in August. Cool. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecentre.ca where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programmes and events. The music for The Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.